0: Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the evening service of Sunday the 10th of August, 2014, entitled, The Risen Life. And the Bible reading is taken from Colossians, chapter three, verses one to five. Here's brother Gavin Taylor. Well, Malcolm said, amazing grace was his favorite, and that's one of my favorites. And uh, Amazing grace is how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I hope we can all say amen to that. It's the most important question, isn't it? Have you been saved? Saved a wretched like me. We've all, can, if we look back at our lives, we can see we've been wretched. But the Lord saved us by his grace. Nothing else, nothing else can save us, only his grace. We can put our trust in other things, but they'll not save us. We can put our trust in the world and in, in the things that we have, in money, it's not going to save us. There's only one thing, the grace of God in Jesus Christ can save us. So with that said, I'd just like to, before I preach, just like to say uh, thank you to to Bethel for supporting Kingsmead. We've, uh, in prayer, I know you've supported us with speakers, uh, Pastor Bean and Steve and also Gareth, and it's, uh, it's, it's a blessing to have that support. And uh, just really to, uh, to update you on things, to encourage you, uh, I don't know if you're aware, but Pastor... Alexandru, uh, I know pastors have been visiting while he's been over in Romania. He's contacted Kingsmead through our website, and he wants to uh, be, um, uh, what's the word I'm thinking of? He wants to be considered, yes, be considered for the uh, position of the pastor. So it's, it's in its early stages yet, and we're we're in touch with him, and uh, he's going to come over at some point and speak to us and speak for us. And uh, But it's early stages. But if you can be prayer for that, that's something you can put on your your prayer diaries that uh, you know going forward that we'll know what to do in that situation and uh, we do keep you in prayer here as well we know Jane's uh, situation with her illness and we pray uh, for that and for for the church here Um, just uh, before I preach again um, when I do ever I come to preach I don't preach very often but when I do I'm reminded of a couple of things usually reminded of my unworthiness and the other thing is the awesomeness of God's Word. I don't like to use the word awesome because it sounds very American. <laughs> but also, it, people use it in the wrong way. And, but God's Word is awesome. And sometimes I think we lose that reality. We read God's Word, we've got the Bible, and we, we read it, and we sometimes, you know, oh no, I've got to read the Bible again. We lose the fact that this is the Word of God. The Word of God who created the universe. The Word of God who flung stars into space. The Word of God who created each one of us, you know, put the, those cells, those minute things, you look down a microscope and you see a complexity and you see the, the, the vastness of space. And God created all this and he wrote this word for us. And yeah, I think we lose that sometimes and I think we need to be reminded of that. Um, you know, somebody once said, a very famous creation apologist said, um, that the Bible is the history book of the universe, and um, and it is that, it tells us about the past it tells us where we came from and why we're here, but it tells us also prophecy, and we can see that being, you know, in our own lives in our recent history you know, with, with Israel coming back to their land prophecy fulfilled, we can see prophecy being fulfilled now in Israel, with nations coming against Israel, it's all prophesied in it, so it's a book of history, it's a book of Prophecy, but it's also a book for now. It's in Hebrews four, verse twelve, and this isn't my message, by the way. I'm not there yet. (laughs) Bear with me. Hebrews four, verse twelve. For the word of God is quick and powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and and of the joints and marrow. And is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The word of God is amazing, isn't it? It's it's a divider, a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. We read God's word; it 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 opens things up to us. It shows us who we are, what we're thinking, and it uses the word here: heart, intent, thoughts, and intents of the heart. Because heart, it's it's you know our thoughts, our mind is who we are, isn't it? And. The Bible shows things to us. It brings home to us the reality of who we are and who God is. And uh, it's just an amazing book. And I think we just, what I want to bring out, and I hope this will come out in my sermon as well, is that we need to be people of the book, God's word. We need to spend time in his word because that's where we're going to learn about our God. I mean, our God is truly the God of all wisdom, isn't he? Created everything, created us. And this book is his word to us. It contains all that the knowing, omniscient God, or the all-knowing, omniscient God, deemed necessary for us to know about him and about his plan for our lives. You know, its I'm ashamed sometimes when I think how much I don't spend time in God's word. When you think about what it really is, we should be in it all the time, shouldn't we? We should be reading it all the time, thinking about it, our minds should be upon it, because it's, it's, it's the word of God to, to us, his people, to show us. It shows us, what does it show us? It shows us his way of salvation and it shows us how we can live to please him, how we can fulfill his plan for our lives. And just a few other verses on, on that subject. Job 23, 12. If I want to turn to Job, you don't have to turn to it, but I'll just read it. Uh, Job twenty three twelve says, My foot, uh, 11 and 12 actually, My foot hath held his steps, his way have I kept and not declined. Neither have I gone back from the commandments of his lips, I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. And Jesus said in Matthew 4, 4, that he answered and said, It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out, the, out of the mouth of God. We see we live, we live physically by the food we eat. What we eat sustains us, builds us up, strengthens us, doesn't it? But we don't, can't live spiritually by that. But by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God, we are mal- If we don't spend time in God's Word, we will be malnourished. We will not be living a strong Christian life. It really is paramount that we are in God's Word, you know. And we just remember all the time, keep that in mind that this is the Word of God who created the universe. It's 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 all wisdom to us. And Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy, sorry, five eleven says, "Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh His name in vain." Okay. But Psalm 138, uh, verse 2 says, I will worship towards thy holy temple and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth. For thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. God, he wrote in the 10 commandments, he, he was saying, don't take my name in vain, but he's saying here that his word is magnified above his name. How important is his word? It's more important than his name. I mean, the Jews couldn't even mention his name. It's so holy. But he's magnified his word above his name. We just need to get back to this, I think, back to God's word. You know, we all know that it's God's word. We all know the truth of that. But sometimes we lose that, I think, in our lives. We get bogged down with other things. And really, we need to be in his word. It's the only thing that's going to guide us through, through this life. If we turn to 2 Timothy 3, 15 to 17, it says in those scriptures, and that from a child... Thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. And then he goes on to say, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good, work, good works. The Bible tells us what it's for. It actually tells us in the Bible what the Bible is for. It's, it's for our salvation initially. You know, that most important thing, that we can know God, we can have our sins forgiven, we can live a life um, uh, in Christ. And then it goes on to say that it's profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished, unto all all good works, that we might be perfected, you know. We think, you know, who we are and... We know our wretchedness like we sang before, amazing grace, so sweet the sound, so to wretch like me. You know, we, we've, we, we're wretched people, we're sinners before a holy God, but he wants to make us perfect and his word is there for that. That's one of the outworkings of his work, word in our lives. Um, so to, considering that now, we, we, let's, let's turn to, this is what I'm going to preach about, um, is, is the risen life, the life that we've been given, and it's from Colossians. So, with, with what we just talked about in mind, let's go to Colossians 3, um, reading from verse 1. And um, we'll read through uh, to verse 5. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on the things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affections, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. The first thing really I want to note there is, it says, if ye then, if ye then be risen with Christ, um, that, the meaning of that is um, that we are risen with Christ, um, it's sort of, it's saying basically because you're risen with Christ, do these things. It sort of it gives the impression it's, it means since you're risen with Christ. Sorry, that's that's the meaning of if ye then be risen with Christ. It's since you're risen with Christ, seek these things that are above. Uh, what does it actually mean to be risen with Christ? We we know that Christ is risen. You know, in the Bible, there's many witnesses to that fact, and also there's um, there's secular sources that attest to Jesus rising from the dead. And uh, we know that it's really Christ's resurrection is vital to our faith. In 1 Corinthians 15, uh, we read these words, 1 Corinthians 15, 12 uh, to 22. I'm not going to read it all, but verse 13 says, But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen? And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain, and your faith is also vain? And verse 17 says and if Christ be not raised your faith is vain you are yet in your sins now Christ's resurrection is vital to our faith you know without Christ being raised from the dead we're dead in our sins still we've got no life so that fact that Christ rose from the dead you know is very important to our faith but what does it mean therefore to be risen with Christ what does it mean for us to be risen with Christ well, whenever there's a difficult spiritual concept um, in the Bible, God usually gives us something physical to help us understand that. He gives us baptism, hasn't he? To understand being raised with Christ, a picture of being raised with Christ. In baptism, you know, we, in, in full immersion baptism, you go under the water to show you're dying, and then you're raised back up to show you've got new life in Christ. It's a picture of your salvation. So there has to be death before resurrection. As Christ died and was raised, we have to die to ourselves before we can be raised with Christ. That's the picture of what's happening in our lives. We're dying to self. You know, as we go down into the water, we're dying to self and we're raised to a new life. It's a realisation of who we are, isn't it? The realisation that we're sinners before a holy God. You know, the Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And it's showing that we can do nothing to save ourselves, that all our good works... All our efforts are worthless in trying to make ourselves right with God. All our righteousness are filthy rags. The Bible says nothing we can do, like I said before, there's nothing you can do to save yourself. We have to cry out to God, don't we? We have to cry out to God to save us because there's nothing we can do. So we die to self realizing we can't save ourselves, and we are raised with Christ and given a new life in Him. This is why it's called being born again. you know we've It's a new life it's a new life we've got we're born again. Dead is, the, the old life is gone. We've got a new life in Christ. So when we're born again, we are risen with Christ. That's what it means to be risen with Christ. It just means we've been born again. But Some, some people uh, would say that you're actually born again at baptism. Some Christians teach that, but we know that that's not true. I mean, if we just take one illustration, if we go to um, the story of the thief on the cross um, in Luke 23, Luke 23, uh, verses 32 to 41, I'd like us to read through all that because it's, there's a lot in there, but it's a, it's a very, very poignant uh, chapter. It's all about the, the crucifixion of our Lord. Luke 23, 32 to 41. And there were also two other malefactors led with him to be put to death. And when they were come to the place, which is called Calvary, there they crucified him and the malefactors, one on the right hand and the other on the left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. That is an amazing thing Jesus says there, isn't it? Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. We think what Jesus has just gone through. He's been beaten and whipped. He's been um, railed upon. He's, he's been stripped. He's been nailed to a cross. He's bleeding and dying for us. And what does he say? He says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. That is shown God's love, isn't it? You know, and his mercy and his humbleness. You know, he's He's dying on the cross. He's been whipped and he's been mocked. And he says, Father, forgive them. How, how much more should we forgive others? You know, that's our example of forgiveness, isn't it? We'll continue. Uh, and they parted his raiment and cast lots. And the people stood beholding. And the rulers also with them, deriding him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself, if he be Christ, the chosen of God. And the soldiers also mocked him, coming to him and offering him vinegar, and saying, If thou be the king of the Jews, save thyself. And a superscription also was written over him in letters of Greek and Latin and Hebrew, This is the king of the Jews. Mocking him again there, weren't they, with that superscription? I've always said, This is the king of the Jews, but it was true. And one of the malefactors which were hanged railed on him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Dost that not dost not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due rewards of our deeds, but this man hath done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto you, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. So you could see the thief had no time to be baptised, did he? He couldn't do anything at all. He was nailed to a cross and he was waiting death. He was condemned to death. But what a wonderful picture of the gospel there. The thief realising who God is. He realised who God was and feared him. He realised that he was a sinner. He'd sinned and was justly condemned to death. The wages of sin is death. Because of it, uh, and because of it, he was destined for hell. He realized there was nothing he could do about it. He was hanging on a tree, unable to move, and all he could do was cry out. He realized who Jesus was, didn't he? He said he was a man without sin. He called him a man without sin. He realized that Jesus was a perfect man; he hadn't sinned. But he also he didn't just realize he was a man. He said he, he realized him as he, he, he realized who he was as Lord. He said. A man without sin, but also Lord. yeah. He said, he's Lord. And he cried out to him, his only hope. And Jesus had mercy on him that day, didn't he? He said, today shalt thou be with me in paradise. He had hope. He was dying on the cross, but he had hope. The other one had no hope. Yeah. In John 3, 17, uh, it says, sorry, 18. He says, he that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. The one believed, the other didn't, and that was that was it. One was saved, and the other one wasn't. So that's a real picture of the gospel there, isn't it? And maybe that's your condition. I don't know all of you, but maybe that's your condition. Maybe that's your state this evening. Maybe you're feeling bound by sin, not able to get it out of sin, bound, and you're... You're lost, but Christ came to bring you salvation. Christ came, that was his purpose. He came to bring salvation to you. He says, the truth shall set you free. You can be free from sin. The truth shall set you free. And Jesus is the truth. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. If we've accepted that, if we've accepted that and become a Christian, we've now got a new life, a risen life, it says, as we looked at in Colossians. So, what I'm going to look at now is living the risen life. How should we then live? We've been given this new life. And if we look at Romans 6, verse 4, Romans 6, verse 4, it says, Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of God, even so we, should, uh, we also should walk in newness of life. Saying we should walk in newness of life, we've been raised with Christ. We should now walk in that, walk in the newness of life that we've been given. And Philippians 3, verse 10 says, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. So if we're born again, we we have died to self and risen with Christ. How do we practically live this risen life? The first step is dying to self. We can't get on. We can't become a Christian until we die to self. We have to realize we can't do anything. We need to we need to die to self, and then we're raised to new life. But that needs to continue. In in Luke nine twenty three, Jesus speaking says, and he said to them all, talking to, to his disciples, "If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me." It's something we need to do daily. And that, this is what I'm hoping you're going to see, that through the Scriptures, uh, this, this will happen in our lives. If we're in God's Word, um, the, the Scriptures will bring us to that place where we're, we're dying day. we're denying ourselves, so that we can live a powerful Christian life in the power of his resurrection. If we turn to our main text, it, it gives more instructions on living the, the risen life um, and how we should walk in that newness of life. Colossians 3, again, 1 to 4, it says, if ye then be risen with Christ, seek, that means to look for those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God, set your affection on the things above, not on things on the earth. Where it says, set your affection on things above, it's talking about how we think again. In affections, uh, you know, in, in, in the Hebrew, um, the mind and heart are synonymous Um the affections and the thoughts are synonymous because um, that's who we are. What Our thought life is who we are. What we think works out in what we do and what we say. What we believe is, what, uh, is who we really are. So it says, set your affections on things above, not on things on the earth. For you are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall you also appear with him in glory. Because we are dead, this is our position before God, then then do this. this is what Paul's saying. Because you're dead, yeah, because we're dead with Christ, then we need to do this. We need to mortify the deeds of the flesh. Paul says this a lot in Scripture. He says, this is who you are, therefore do this. And Colossians sort of builds up to that. First two chapters of Colossians, sort of building to that. He it shows us who Christ is. He shows us his salvation and who we are in him. And then it's says. Then it goes on to do, since you are risen with Christ, do this. It's, and the Bible also exhorts us again to, to do this in Matthew 6.33, a very, very familiar verse. You all know, you don't need to turn there. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Jesus was talking to the multitudes. They're saying, seek ye first the kingdom of God. It's, you know, and his righteousness and all these things will be added onto you. Before that, you're saying, look, don't worry about what you wear, don't worry about what you eat. You know, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things will be added unto you. If we're seeking what God wants, if we're seeking his righteousness, and we're seeking his kingdom, then he will bless us with all that we need. You know, we don't need to concern ourselves with those things. We need to concern ourselves with the work of, of, of God, with his righteousness, with living a life pleasing to him, and he will bless us with all the things that we need. So we need to seek the things of God, seek those things which are above. And Philippians 4 verse 8, again talking about thinking on these things. It's a very famous verse. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things. God wants us to think on good things. He wants us to be in His Word and reminded of the good things. You know, there's so much in His Word that teaches us you know, who Christ is, who God is, what He's done for us. These things we need to be thinking of. It will form uh, our minds to be thinking upon on the the, the heavenly things. There's there's a, a phrase that comes to mind. Um, That um, I haven't heard for a while, but it says uh, you can be too heavenly minded to be any earthly use. And we know what that means. It means somebody is just not, you know, they're just out in the clouds somewhere and they're not, you know, concerned themselves with, with reality. But the reality is that we should be heavenly minded, shouldn't we? We should be, you know, we can't be too heavenly minded as a Christian. How can you be too heavenly minded? You know, if we're heavenly minded, we're going to be doing what God wants, aren't we? We're going, to be, we're going to be of earthly use because we're going to be doing what he wants. If we're, if we're earthly-minded, if we're thinking on the fleshy things, we'll be, we'll be pandering to the flesh and doing those things. But if we're heavenly-minded, you know, that then we'll be outworking God's work in our lives. We will have an earthly use. So that, that phrase, I never use it because it, it doesn't make sense to a Christian. We need to be heavenly-minded. Continuing with that thought, um, in Romans 12, uh, verses 1 to 2, Again, these are all very, very famous verses. You'll know them very well. It says there, it says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. We see here, again, the idea of dying to self, a sacrifice. Although it's a living sacrifice, we're not actually physically dead, but we're putting our whole selves on the altar so to speak, and offering our bodies to be used in God's service. Everything we are, we're putting in God's service. And the next verse says, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And that's really the key to living the risen life, the new life that God's given us, is the renewing of our minds, we need to be renewing our minds. But just to look at verse 2 there, you also say it says um, that you'll um, prove what is that good and acceptable perfect will of God. Do you know what God's will is for your life? That's one of the questions. When I was first became a Christian, that's, I just remember... That was one of the things people were always asking, do you know what God's will is for your life? Do you know what... They were going around to people, praying for people and being prayed for to find out what God's will is for your life. But really, it's a misnomer. It's not something we need to be seeking because God's word tells us what his will is for our life. If, if we again look at the scriptures, I know there's a lot of scripture tonight and I'm, I'm not going to apologise for that because the more scriptures there is, the less I'm going to put my foot in it. You know and the Scriptures speak for themselves. So... Uh, one Thessalonians four verse three. One Thessalonians four verse three. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that you should abstain from fornication, that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor. Now, sanctification—big long word—and uh, one we probably have all heard. But if you don't know what it means, it, it, it's God's—it's God's, it's God's um, process that He's. he's, he's, he's changing us from who we are, transforming our lives into the image of his son, Jesus Christ. It's a big job, isn't it? It's it's a very big job. You know, if you consider who we are and who Christ is, it's a big job, but, you know, God is all-powerful. So how is he going to do this? Well, God wants us to change our minds, to change or renew our thinking, as he said in Romans. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. The Bible says, as a man thinketh in his heart so is he." As I said before, what we think, what we believe is who we are. And the Lord wants to change our minds. It's almost like people talk about brainwashing. As you're reading God's word, that's what's happening. You're having your mind washed, washed with God's word. So that our mind is renewed, that we might live a life that's honoring to him and pleasing to him and is useful for him. He wants us to have, basically, the mind of Christ. Yeah. It does say in Corinthians that we have the mind of Christ. 2 Corinthians 16 says that we have the mind of Christ. Because we have the Spirit of God living with us, because we've been born again of God's Spirit, we have the mind of Christ. But in Philippians 2, uh, we read these words, Philippians 2 verse 5, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. So we need to allow the thinking his thinking to permeate us. You know, we need that Christ mind to um, to permeate our thinking. We're not, should, you know, we shouldn't be um, looking uh, through the flesh. We should be walking by faith, faith in Jesus Christ. So we need his thinking. But what was Christ's mind in these verses? If we, If we carry on, Philippians 2 verses 5 to 8 says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. It's humbleness again. You know, when we think about it, he's, he's in the form of God. Jesus was God. And we're reading John, don't we, Want uh, John 1, uh, uh, that uh, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and we know that Jesus is the Word. He's God, but he made himself of no reputation. Why did he do that for us? Because we were sinners. Because of the sin we'd done against him, he made himself, and that's humbleness, isn't it? He made himself of no reputation for us. That shows the humbleness of God. You know he's dying to himself again, dying to his, his own nature is God, but he's dying to that. He's willing to humble himself and become obedient unto death even the death of the cross, which was the most humiliating death possible. Nobody had ever thought of anything more horrible, humiliating than that. and Christ did that for us. this <clears throat> This is our example, isn't it? Christ is our example to live, you know, and if we think about these things, we read his word and think about his scriptures, this is how we can live a life that's pleasing to him that's honoring to him that's in the power of the resurrection as it says this is the live, living in the power of the resurrection dying to self and it's a choice it's a choice we have to make god can't and, and can't and will not humble us if he humbles us then we're not being humble are we you know we can't think that god's going to humble us and that makes us humble we have to humble ourselves it's a choice we have to make not my will but thine be done not my will but thine be done and this is not always easy, is it? None of us find this easy to do. You know, the flesh, is, the flesh wants to do what it wants to do. And we have to, uh, there's, there's that war, isn't there? And we even see that, in, in, you know, in part in Christ. If we, if we go to the Garden of Gethsemane, you know the story. Uh, Christ goes there just before his death to pray to, to God. And he takes three of his, his disciples with him, Peter, James, and John. If we go to Matthew 26 and read, read that, Account It says, Matthew 26, verses 37 to 44. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, began to be sorrowful and very heavy. Then he said unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry ye here and watch with me. And he went a little further, verse 39, and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but thou but as thou wilt. And then again, he uh, goes back to his disciples, as we know. And then in verse 42, he went away again the second time and prayed saying, oh, my father, if this cup may not pass away from me, except I drink it, thy will be done. And we know he went a third time. He went away again and prayed the third time, saying the same words, it's verse 44. And we know in other passages relating the same story that he sweat great drops of blood, there's a real pressure on him, you know, in his humanness. Yeah, we know he was fully human and fully God. In his humanness, you know, he didn't want to go through this. Who would? But he submitted to the will of God, you know. And you know, yeah, we we don't often come up to situations like that, but we do come up to situations where we we want to do our own thing. We don't want to do what God wants. We need we need to choose. And it's that having that humbleness of mind. Uh, and we see this in Paul as well. Paul relates how he was feeling, what his thoughts were. Um, and, uh, and if we just read in Romans 7, 18 to 25, um, I'll, you know, I'll read the whole thing. Romans 7, 18 to 25. And this is a bit of a tongue twister, so bear with me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing, for to will is present with me. But how to perform that which is good, I find not. For the good that I would, I do not. But the evil which I would not, that I do. Now, if I do that I would not, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind, and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Christ Jesus our Lord. So then with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. We all felt like that, haven't we? Paul's, that, that warring within us, there's a war going on. When we become a Christian, there's a battle, a battle with sin. It's undeniable. Lot. And because we've got that old nature within us, we've got the new nature of Christ within us, warring against the old nature. Before we were Christians, there was no wars. Though. Before we were Christians, we just did what the flesh wanted. You know, we just did whatever the flesh wanted, and uh, there was no war. But now we have the Spirit of God, and the Spirit of God doesn't want those things anymore, but the flesh does. So although we're risen with Christ, we still find it hard to deny our old life and find ourselves doing those things we know are contrary to our new risen life. So if we continue in our main text, we'll, we'll see this illustrated again. So if we go back to Colossians 3, which is our main text for the night, and I'll read again a scripture from, the full scripture from there. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth, for ye are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence and covetousness, which is idolatry. For which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience, in the which ye also sometime uh, walked sometime when ye lived in them, But now ye also put off these things, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth, lie not one to another, seeing ye have put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. The text here exhorts us that because we are risen with Christ, we should mortify or kill those sinful things of the old nature. We have the idea of dying to self again here because our position is that we are dead in Christ, then we should live that way. That's the war that Paul was talking about. And this is echoed in a few more verses, which I'll. I'll you don't have to turn to them all, but I'll, I'll just read through them. 1 John 3, verse 1 to 3. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God? Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God? What an amazing statement that is. Beloved, now are we the sons of God? It just blows my mind when I think of that, that we are the sons of God. But it goes on to say then, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. We don't look like the sons of God, do we? No. We're a bit of a mismatch of people and, you know, from all walks of life. And we don't look like the sons of God. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. Isn't that a fantastic promise? You know, we are called the sons of God now. We don't look like it, but when he shall be, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. One day we're going to see Christ, and we're going to be like him. We're going to be made holy and pure like him. But then he goes on saying, And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure, even as God is pure. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself. How on earth do we do that? Well, we'll see that in a minute as we continue reading through these scriptures. In 1 Thessalonians 4, 1 to 7, it says, um, it speaks to the same thing. It says, furthermore, uh, then we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that as you have received of us how you ought to walk and to please God, so you would abound more and more. For you know what commandments we have, uh, we gave you by the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification. We read that before that ye should abstain from fornication, that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honour, not in the lust of concupiscence, even as the Gentiles which know not God, that no man go beyond and defraud his brother in any matter, because that the Lord is the avenger of all such, as we also have forewarned you and testified, for God hath not called us unto uncleanness, but unto holiness, We are called to be holy and pure, as we've just read in the other verses. And Titus 2, I said there was a lot of scripture. And Titus 2, 11 to 14, speaks to the same thing. Uh, Titus 2, 11 to 14. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope And the glorious appearing of the great God and our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Again, talking about that great hope, the appearing of Jesus Christ, when we'll we'll be made pure and we'll be made like Christ. Who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself the peculiar people, zealous of good works. We're all looking for that hope, aren't we? We're all looking for Christ's return, that we might be like him. And because we have this hope, it says, you know, do this basically because we have this hope. Do this, verse twelve, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope. Because we're looking for that blessed hope, we should be living uh, a pure life. We should be living in in in, uh, in accordance with that, because that's what our that's what our goal is. That's where we're going. That's what God's will is for us. God's will for our lives is that we've been made like Christ and the hope is that one day we will be made like Christ. Therefore, we do this, we deny ungodliness, we live righteously, we mortify the deeds of the flesh, as it says in our main text. The reason life that we've been called to is a call to pure living and holiness because this pleases God, doesn't it? It also, it's not just that, it's a witness to the world. It's a witness to the world, isn't it? A pure life is a witness to the world. And we're ambassadors for Christ, it says in scriptures. You know, it doesn't say uh, some of you are ambassadors or, you know, at a certain point in your life you'll be ambassadors. It says we are ambassadors. Once you're a Christian, you're an ambassador for Christ, and we need to live in that, don't we? It's hard. It's a hard thing, isn't it? But what I'm hoping you're going to see is that through scripture and living in God's word, that's, that's how we become like Christ and live in, a, uh, in the power of his resurrection, that we might be a witness to the world. And pleasing to God in John 17 verses uh, 14 to 17 it says I have given them thy word and the world hath hated them because they are not of the world even as I am not of the world I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil they are not of the world even as I am not of the world Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. God's word is truth. And he's saying, this is how you're sanctified. You're sanctified through God's word. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. And Ephesians 5, 25 to 27, clarifies this even more. Ephesians 5, 25 to 27 says, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. The church is talking about here, we are the church, aren't we? the people of God? Yeah, we have the local church, we have the worldwide church, you know, but it's talking about the people of God, we are his church, we are we are his people, and he says, um, sorry, I lost the track husbands love your wives, even as Christ has loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word." I was talking about before, that sort of brainwashing is washing of the water by the word. As we read the word of God, it washes us, it cleanses us, it makes us, it makes us more like Christ as we take it on board, as we live it. As, as Peter prayed, we should, you know, not just be hearers of the word, but doers of the word. And that's when our lives become uh, a living testimony to God's word and what he's done in our life. That he might present to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy without blemish. And that's what God's purpose is through his word. I'll finish um, with a couple more scriptures. Um, In fact, I'll finish just with this last scripture, Philippians 3 verses 8 to 15. Philippians 3, 8-15. to The words again of Paul. Paul speaking to the Philippian church. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I suffered the loss of all things, and, am, and do count them as dung, that I may win Christ, and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count it, I count not myself to, uh, to have apprehended but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth onto those things which are before, I press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Can you see? He's, he's saying that he's forgetting those things that are behind, those things of his past life, those things that, you know, he's saying, I count all things I've lost, I've, you know, I've lost all things for Christ. He's given up everything. He's denied himself. He's put those, and he's saying, I'm going to forget those things, but I'm going to press forward I'm going to press forward towards the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And Paul exhorts his readers in the last verse, verse 15: Let us therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded. And if any, and if in anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. Let us therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded. Having this mind that we forget put those things behind us, our old life we put behind us, we press towards the mark. The mark of the high calling, that's that's our goal, which is Christ-likeness, which is what God wants for us, it's his will for our lives, and it's what we will receive once Christ returns. But we need to press forward for that now, so we might please God, we might be a witness to the world, we might be ambassadors for Christ. And, just want to exhaust us really just to be more in god's word i know that i'm not in god's word as much as i should be you know and i exhort everybody everybody here just to be more in god's word see how you will grow see how you'll grow in christ become more like him and be more of an effective witness to the world and just leave it there. And i'll just uh close in prayer so, father i thank you for your word lord i thank you that you are a holy god a pure and holy God, and you've called us to holiness, Lord. And that's not in us. We are not a holy people. We are uh, wretched and poor, blind, miserable, as the words say. But, Lord, you've called us to holiness, and we know, Lord, that you've given us a new life, a new life in Christ, that we can live a holy life because you've given us that new life. If we live for Christ, if we live for him, Lord, that our lives will be honouring to you, that we'll be a witness to this world that we'll be a blessing to others. Lord, help us to be in your word, that we might grow in the knowledge of Christ, that we might grow in grace. Lord, that we might be effective for you and pleasing to you in this world. Until you come and take us home. Thank you, Father. Amen.